0: The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice.
1: Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Congelos. Hard to believe we're here in the, may, the month of May, and it's you know, Disability Awareness Month. Our guest today is Richard Pasick uh, Senior Vice President over at CNA Financial Group. Rich, welcome to the show. It's great to see you.
2: Hi. Good morning, Frank. Thanks for having me.
1: So, Rich, you know, this is an interesting topic when we talk about, you know, Disability Awareness Month and, you know, we just, you know, even that whole context of disability because, you know, as a society, we always think it's going to be somebody else. We never think it's going to be us. Mm-hmm. So I'm just curious, statistically, is it always the other guy? Is it a very small percentage of the population that actually gets hurt or gets sick? What actually takes place?
2: Well, the fact is, according to the, disability, the Council for Disability Awareness, Frank, that one in four 20-year-olds entering the workforce will become disabled one time or another before they reach retirement age. That's incredibly high.
1: So when we you know, think of that, I guess the issue that really comes up, you know, and you know, I'm in the middle of, uh, actually I'm not in the middle, I'm just wrapping up a new book that I call it, you know, I think the name of the book, I call it Last Check, is the fact that in the event that that occurs, one of the greatest risks that we have financially is the loss of our income. And so the question that I would, you know, pose to you at that point is: so if we're talking about, you know, twenty-five percent of the population or whatever, maybe having a a claim, where do they get their income from in the event that they get sick or they get hurt? And even if, when we talk about percentages of, you know, where do they get it from? Is it usually an injury? Because everybody thinks I'm not going to get hurt. I'm pretty careful. I don't do things. Or is it through sickness? What what occurs, Rich?
2: Well. The younger cohort that's really buying disability insurance to people in their 30s and 40s and sometimes 20s, the fact is they think they're invincible, that it's going to be an injury and they're really healthy, so that's not going to occur to them. But the fact is about 88% of claims are not injury-related. They're from sickness. So it's a very high claim. So when it results from something else and they're not protected, that's a problem. So they may rely on what they have through work. In some cases, uh, they have group disability, they have workman's comp, but the fact of the workman's comp cases are that only 1% of disability claims are resulting from a work-related injury. The rest came from sickness or injury elsewhere, usually sickness. So let's
1: just kind of play through this. So you got a professional out there, they're earning $100,000 a year, or um, whoever it might be, and they get sick or they get hurt, and -hmm. something occurs. So the first question is, is... If it didn't happen at work, it's not workers' comp. That's right. They're and we already own, so identified, so, yeah, based on yeah. what you said, that that's less than 1%. Correct. So then, if it's not workers' comp, then then what? So some employers do provide group disability, some don't. Let's start with
2: if they don't. Where do they go then? Well, let's talk about the facts first. There's 51 million American adults working today. That do not have any disability insurance beyond what social security administration offers so let's talk about the social security uh and how does social security disability works.
1: and there's a reason for that and the reason for that for our listeners is the fact that what occurred over time is that healthcare costs and benefit costs over time have been going higher and higher and so you know we went from years ago where the employer would pay for our coverage to there's a cost sharing and so we go from cost sharing to kind of whittling down benefits and expenses so that people can maintain the essential, you know, which is the medical coverage. Mm-hmm. So many employers haven't gone into the area of disability, or they've been looking at it and saying, "Let's let people get that on their own." So if they don't have it, you know, then they're going to, you know,
2: what's available? Which is, are, are we on Social Security? Are we state mm-hmm. disability? What is it, Rich? Well, the state disability. Let's just talk since we're sitting in New Jersey. will pay up to twenty-six weeks. So that's the first six months of disability. What happens afterwards? A person well, before can rely on Social Security.
1: And before you go to mm-hmm. afterwards, the question I have is, so if someone's making $100,000 a year, are they paying them $100,000 a year?
2: No, probably somewhere around 28000 a year, state so, disability. So it's
1: significantly less mm-hmm. than what they were making before. It's not 100% income replacement? Absolutely not, yeah. Very good. So that was the first part. And so we had state disabilities going to pay, and you were saying they were paying for how long again? 26 weeks. What happens after 26 weeks?
2: Well, the plan is designed that Social Security may kick in, it should kick in, or hopefully it kicks in. But the fact is only 33% of people who apply for Social Security disability benefits are approved for claims. The first time around, 22% are only approved, then a person has to file for an appeal.
1: Interesting. And why is that? Is it the, based on the definition from Social Security? What, what,
2: what's occurring
1: that so many people are not Social Security eligible? You hit
2: that right on the head, uh, Frank. It's the definition. The definition to apply or, or actually collect on Social Security definition is the inability to perform any occupation anywhere in the continental United States. And basic duties are standing, sitting, walking, and talking. And if you could do those basic things... you you may not be considered disabled. And so let's assume um, they are eligible. Well, then they don't collect. What I was going to say,
1: what percentage, again, are we talking about? So somebody's making $100,000 a year, you know.
2: Well, they have to qualify. So they need 40 quarters, 10 years of paying into the system. So somebody in their younger 20s don't have that, and they're not going to collect much at all. And ultimately, they're only insuring on a certain percentage, depending on, on a family, kids, and so forth. But usually, it's, it's probably in around a 2000 on a higher income earner level. Got it. But on average, it's only 1200 bucks nationwide, average.
1: And it's interesting when we think in terms of you know, what these numbers are and how it works. Because you know, depending upon where you live, and we live here in the Northeast... Uh, the cost of living here is significant. Uh, twelve hundred dollars a month typically isn 't making it for most people as well as you know when we talked about state disability and then the other side of that you know, when I think about it is you know, we talk about financial success as cash flow uh, under any and every circumstance. and so if our cash flow has taken a hit like that, and all of a sudden we went from you know, earning whatever we 're earning to getting you know, twenty twenty five percent of our income in the form of benefits. Um, we've got some significant gaps as far as on how we do that. Mm-hmm. So when we talk about that, um, one of the other things I'd like to ask you is, you know, just when you think about like short-term claims, things of that nature, Rich, where are these claims coming from? Because you mentioned it's typically not an accident, um, you know that there are more medically related things of that nature. So maybe you can just kind of give an overview as to you know what type of claims are out there and what are people seeing.
2: Sure. According to a website, disabilitycanhappen.org, dot org, they have statistics up there. And musculoskeletal disorders are about thirty percent. Cancer about fifteen percent. Injuries, as I said before, only around twelve percent. Mental health about nine percent. Any kind of circulatory, circulatory, stroke, and so and heart pro- heart problems are about another nine percent. Very good. So most are you know sicknesses, not injuries.
1: So so, Rich, you know, I think that you know what we've really been kind of stating to our listeners is um, making the case that it could happen. You know, we Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, a fair amount of the population will incur a claim over their lifetime. We talked about where benefits are available from a statutory base, which is, you know, looking at, you know, what happens if you get hurt at work? We got the workers' comp, but that's less than 1% of claims. And we talked about state disability, which is relatively short term. Mm -hmm. We talked about Social Security and Social Security being a 26-week elimination and then the fact that most Social Security claims are not approved on the first time around and barely yes. a little bit more on the second time around. And then the last thing I would say is, is based upon that, you know, what else would they be looking at
2: you know, as far as that goes? Yeah, just coming back one thing, Frank, as I, as I said before, 78% of claims to Social Security claims are denied the first time around. Right. So then they have to go back for an appeal. You ever see an advertisement from an attorney saying we, you know, <laughs> disability claims right. or so forth, disabled, contact us, and they want to go back. And the problem right now, in 2018, 850,000 cases are a backlog right now. 850,000 cases. These people are waiting, disabled, waiting for a check.
1: How are they and, living in the meantime?
2: Who knows? It's tough. And again, they've been disabled at least six months to even think about applying. You, think
1: about you know, what's that. interesting is... Um, I do a lot of public speaking, and one of the things we talk about is the fact that you know if somebody saves ten percent of their income a year. Mm. You know, yeah. um, a one-year disability, assuming that you worked for ten years, could wipe out ten years' worth of savings. That's correct. You know, when you think about that, so it can effectively destroy someone's retirement account, or you know, seriously put a hit to their cash accounts or their investment accounts. So the question that I would have is. What should people be thinking about, and what should they be looking at with regard to you know, how to prepare for this, or provide for this, or make sure that you know, their checks continue to come in the event that they were to get sick or hurt?
2: Well, I, yeah, I think people should consider the fact that a disability can happen. It's an industry out there. It's a whole business. The hospitals are not there for nothing. And it's a real concern for many, especially a younger person in, in the workforce. Look at what your employer plan is. Analyze it. It may not be enough. You may be able to supplement it. Look for a personal plan that look that offers specialty ONOC definition. So if a person cannot do their specialty ONOC, their particular occupation, but may be able to work elsewhere that benefits are are paid. Look for tax effects. Group disability is going to be taxable. A supplemental plan may be tax-free if it's set up properly. So that's what we want to look at. Uh, we want to look at debt consolidation, ensuring in case they have excess debt. For example, student loan debt is another one. It could be big money and that they're still liable for. They don't care. They want their money. And an interesting statistic I was reading, Frank, that 44% of bankruptcy claims are resulting from one way or another a medical loss of income. A wow. medical loss. It's almost 44%. Kind of, well, look at that.
1: That's a big number.
2: Crazy. So, Rich,
1: you know, when people think in terms of you know, what they have you know, coverage-wise, because you know, a lot of times we'll meet with you know, clients and they're like, geez, I'm not sure if I have it, I don't have it, or whatever, uh, they should be checking with the HR department at work or with whoever at you know, their company handles benefits uh, to see if they do have anything on the group side. Mm-hmm. Most group coverages that I've observed over time uh, usually cover 60%. Some are 50, some could go as high as 70, but they always have caps. And you said something which is interesting. Uh, what you said was, is that that benefit is oftentimes taxable. So I always try to have people understand that if you thought of it this way, which is uh, most people uh, don't save twenty and thirty percent of their income.
2: No, it doesn't. So at all. it right?
1: means that they're consuming yeah. seventy to eighty percent, ninety percent of their income, mm-hmm. and sometimes more. So if I'm consuming most of that income to pay my bills, to live, and so forth. In the event that I were to get sick or hurt, if all of a sudden my income was reduced by 20 or 30% or 40% because my benefits cover 60% or 70%... Maybe you
2: living on less than half. Yeah. You will be
1: living on less than ha- half. Yeah, how do I make up that difference, yeah. which is when you yeah. said you might be able to get some supplements. So maybe just take a moment and just speak to the fact that uh, there are individual programs out there that people should be considering. Mm -hmm. And if someone was looking for it, ideally, what is it that they should be looking for in terms of a definition? So you mentioned uh, specialty definitions. But if I don't have a specialty career, um, maybe you can just do a quick overview of what type of definition should I be working for that's fairly broad, it works, and then even speak to the fact of uh, what's a typical, uh, let's call it deductible or waiting period, and then how long should benefits be paid for typically. So maybe you can just hit on some of those key uh, attributes.
2: Okay. The first thing in reference to group, Frank, typically a group may offer 60% of coverage, and it's usually employer paid, which makes it taxable. Okay. But if you're a person's receiving some kind of commissions or bonuses, almost always they're not covered. Interesting. So therefore if somebody's making, you know, fifty thousand a year but another thirty thousand a sixty percent increase in income that, that sixty that thirty thousand is not covered. So we'll look at their bonuses, they'll look we'll look at their commission sales and we'll analyze that and see if there's room for a supplemental plan. So a supplemental plan will ensure Maybe not their specialty occupation, but their particular occupation is in most cases if a person's suffering a relatively short period of disability, one, two, three, five years, they're going to probably want to still stay active some way. They may not be able to go to work and, and work as hard or, or in the same job as they were doing before, maybe to travel and so forth, but they want, want to do something. Right. And at least we don't want their disability going to zero. So we want to still pay. And that's how our own definition will work. We'll look at waiting periods typically 90 days maybe 180 days to match social security but we're going to really look at that three month elimination period or waiting period and we want benefits to continue at least until age 65. we may expand that to age 67 or 70 depending on the age of the client but usually 65 is the lowest one and a big important benefit we add on is cost of living sometimes known as cola what this, this, this is when a person suffering a disability, that their benefits increase compounded with the cost of living. I don't think any group plans I've ever seen have that. So we want that on the plan.
1: So if I were to summarize what you were just saying there is, uh, with regard to definition, the best definition somebody can get is what we call own occupation, which mm-hmm. means if they can't do what they're currently doing, even though they may be suited or able to do something else, uh, they're still eligible for claim. Mm-hmm. And then with regard to the elimination period, you were speaking to 90 days or if they were going to coordinate it with Social Security, 180. Mm-hmm. And then the whole idea of how long we want benefits payable for. We want them payable, I always kid and say, as long as possible. And for many people, that's age 65. Uh, for some of our uh, you know, clients and our people in our community that are uh, trades oriented sometimes they're limited in their benefits from what I've seen that sometimes they can only get up to five years or so or a couple Usually of years five
2: years for and, a skilled worker yes and so
1: for some of them they still want the maximum benefit and the last thing I'm going to bring up because I do see this with business owners from time to time is uh, you know if they have a partner or they have a key employee and I always say to them I go it's like if uh, something happened to your partner or something happened to your key employee would you pay them and they go, Oh yeah. And I, I'll ask them, how long are to paying for? As long as I can. And I said, So you're a hero for as long as you're paying, but will the day ever come that you might have to stop? And I go and they go, I'll go, yes. And I go, So how does everybody view you when that happens? And they go, Not so good. I said, So sometimes it's worth looking at. Maybe there's a better strategy, so you never have to put yourself in that place. And so for you know, our listeners that are listening, I would say really two things. One is don't assume your employer is going to take care of you because they're all going to get to a point where it doesn't work for them. While they're helping you, they're the hero. Mm -hmm. And the day they have to stop, because they will have to stop at some point because they might have to replace your position and pay that money to someone else, Uh, they actually go to being the bad guy. So maybe don't put that on them and take care of yourself. So, Rich, uh, any other thoughts before we wrap up? Where can people get information about this? Uh, You mentioned there's a website. Maybe you could repeat it again for our listeners. I
2: think disabilitycanhappen.org is a really nice website. They just redesigned it for Disability Awareness Month. They have some stories in there of actual people, real-life people, that have a challenge with a disability. And they're talking about what happened and, and the claims and so forth process. Very important to look at. And you can see some statistics and so forth that... That a person can find valuable.
1: Great insight. And you know, it's interesting, as we've said many times on this program, uh, the greatest risk to someone's finances is not a market correction. It's Mm -hmm. not a tax law change. It's what we refer to as hubris, which is excessive pride. It's that belief that, hey, it's always going to be the other guy. It's not going to be me. So what we say to our listeners is be smart, do the right thing, make sure you're covered when it comes to this. Uh, You've been listening to Discovering Responsible Wealth. Uh, This has been Frank Congelos and our guest, Richard Pasek, over at CNA Financial Group. Rich, so nice to have you with us. Thank you, Frank. And we wish all of our listeners a great month, and we'll catch up with you next month.
0: Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is an indirect wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. 2019-80382.